Hi, guys. Welcome to another Elk Report. This one is going to be with Jeff Lester of Hunt Hard Outfitters. I want to thank the sponsors of the podcast, GoHunt.com. My friend of 20-plus years, Cody Nelson, is the optics manager. Do you guys have any binoculars, rifle scopes, optics, tripods, any glassing questions, any optical needs at all, give Cody a call, 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. Make sure to tell him that I sent you and he'll take care of you. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. I also want to thank Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That is the uh, hunting gear that I wear on all my hunts. To find out more information, you can go to KUIU.com, Phonescope.com. That's the digiscoping device that I use on all my hunts as well. Uh, You can use the JSCOT19 promo code, and you're going to get a 10% discount there at Phonescope.com, and that's with a K. Uh, and then Onyx Maps, use the JSCOT19 promo code. You're going to get 20% discount on the Onyx Hunt app. Uh, I use it every day for hunting, fishing, uh, in my real estate business. And uh, if you guys haven't tried it, you need to try it. It's awesome. You can do a one-state package or a 50-state package. Use the JSCOT19 promo code. You're going to get a 20% discount. Let's get right to the episode with Jeff Lester. Guys, welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today is going to be a fun episode with Jeff Lester of Hunt Hard Outfitters uh, based out of the Eager Springerville area in Arizona. Jeff guides hunts in Arizona and in New Mexico. Jeff, how are you doing? Great, Jay. How are you doing? Good. It's always great to have you on the podcast. We're sitting here uh, September 9th. The uh, season's already going in New Mexico. Uh, Arizona archery elk season is going to kick off uh, this Friday. I know you and your team have been out doing a bunch of scouting. Uh, what are the conditions like uh, as far as the, you know, um, grass, moisture, tanks? What's what's it looking like out there in New Mexico and in Arizona? Uh, Jay, most of the high country um, in New Mexico and Arizona uh, is really green. Uh, we didn't get, to, we, our monsoons have been r- really pretty pathetic. Uh, but the high country has caught the rain that we have got a lot of it. So there's a lot of really good feed on the ground high. Obviously, we came out of our spring, um, probably one of the best springs I've seen in 15, 16 years. So, you know, the elk, with all the holdover from last year, because we had such a pathetic horn growth, you know, last year, probably one of the worst. And this year, it's probably one of the best. And a lot of that, you know, I tell guys, don't don't think that the elk grew extra big. It's just they are what they are. They If, if they were going to be a 330 bull, they're a 330 bull. There's no excuses this year. And that's even in the, the lower country in New Mexico looks pretty dry. A lot of the more arid units are really rough. Um, I've done over 400 miles in the last probably two, three days just moving camps and stuff. And grass is super spotty. I mean, I don't know if I've ever seen it so spotty where you you literally drive uh, through a place that looks like it hasn't had rain in months, and in 10 miles you'll come over a hill and all of a sudden you get into an area that's lush and green. So the, the monsoon rains have been extremely spotty, uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's just, it is the way it is, you know, it's, it hasn't been widespread and Arizona and New Mexico, I would say is looking, 
you know, much the same when it comes to that moisture. Um, we've seen some elk movement, meaning um, some elk are vacating some areas where they have been because the water is drying up. The dirt tanks are drying up. Um, the grass is pretty rough, and they're moving towards where, you know, they can find some green pasture and, and water because obviously they got to have that. So, um, you know, that all can change in one storm. You know, in our country, you know, you get a big gully washer and it fills the dirt tanks and, and you know, as long as your temperatures are typically above 50, you're still going to get some green growth going, you know. And the Over grass there in New Mexico, you're talking about covering 400 miles. Uh, what are the units, just so guys listening, if they have tags in those units, what are the units that you've, you've covered? Um, I've been over in 13, 17, um, and most of the Gila, you know, all the 16 units, 15, I have to drive through all that to get to other places, and I've been dragging, you know, trailers and camps around the units trying to get everybody set for this second archery season. And then, of course, I have to go back to Arizona to, to guide, uh, you know, hunters. And so, you know, I've been everywhere from, basically Flagstaff all the way to, you know, Socorro, New Mexico, all through those, you know, that country. Um, in the last two weeks, I've been all over it. And, you know, like I said, I mean, last year even, you know, there was green widespread. We had really, you know, pretty good moisture all over, and the grass was really good. But right now, really spotty. Uh, just places that were, you know, I just got off an antelope hunt, and I've had a couple you know, antelope hunters and stuff, and going from places like a month ago that looked lush and green and the antelope were on the green to just being parched out brown one month later because it didn't get any rain it got hot. And we've had, it's right. actually the heat. The heat has been, I don't know if I've seen these temperatures in some of this country I've hunted in years. I mean, close to 100 degrees out in some spots in New Mexico. In Unit 13, we've had high, high temps, the high 90s. Um, and, you know, right here at home even, we've been, you know, high 80s, low 90s, um, just because we haven't had that monsoonal moisture that we typically get. And, you know, the mountain, the higher elevations, everything above, oh, I'm guessing 8,000 feet plus is looks really good. Like when I came through 16A yesterday, um, and 16D, some of that country low, uh, really dry in a couple spots. And as soon as you get up high, really lush and green and nice, you know. So kind of kind of different that way. But the elk look great. Antler growth phenomenal. I'm guessing, you know, this year there will be some absolute giant field. Uh, our scouting, we scouted a lot this year. And we've probably seen better horn growth and just solid just solid bulls, man, just across the board, the deer, the elk, everything looks really, really good. And as long as the rut, you know, a lot of, go ahead. You've seen a lot of extra points as well. I mean, on good moisture years, it seems like those bulls kick out extras. You've seen quite a bit. Yeah, lots of extra points. Um, you know, uh, when you say extra points, I mean, yeah, abnormally you're not going to, you know, those abnormal points, you're not, you don't get those typically, but there's a lot of that going on right now. Seconds and, you know, extra little kickers and stuff coming off on the bulls. That's just really good 
really good moisture, really good nutrition, you know, helps them. They're, in, they're just really healthy. Everything looks great. Let's talk so, about uh, the elk bugling a little bit uh, and what you guys have been seeing scouting as far as, uh, you know, the, the rutting activity and bugling. Uh, are they going gangbusters? Are they just starting? What, what, what they're just, you know, everybody got all excited. Oh, my gosh, we're seeing bulls with cows. And I'm like, it does it every year. You'll see a couple of bulls come in and check cows. Um, it's just kind of the way they do it. And then, you know, you know everybody hey, all of a sudden there's no bulls with cows. Well, yeah, that's because they're not there. It's not time. <laughs> it's, it's just getting going. Um, the guys that we have had out looking, I mean, you know, a week ago, two weeks ago, we heard some rut action, you know, and it's some small bulls coming in around those cows. And, you know, when, when these cows start cycling and things start, that scent gets in the air, they're going to get a little excited and you might have a big bull pop in and out of a herd looking around. I mean, it's just happening. All these bulls were on the move. They're all, when I was antelope hunting, I'm out there glassing. I'm, I'm five or six miles from any trees, and I glass two bulls in the middle of the, you know, flats, lined out for somewhere. I don't know where they were going, but they weren't, <laughs> they were just walking. And, and I called a buddy, and he was 10 miles from me, and he said he saw the same thing. And these, these bulls come off the top of the mountain where they're summering, and they are heading for cows somewhere. And, you know, and you know, we, we, yeah, I mean, you see 20, 30 miles some of these bulls travel. That's why I always laugh at the trail cam thing because, you know, everybody in certain places is like, oh, look at all these bulls. I'm like, yeah, but do you know where they rut? I mean, these bulls might be in two, you know, they might cross a unit to get to another unit to rut. It's elk or really strange when it comes to that. And they might rut right where you have them on a trail cam. I've seen that too, but a lot of times these bulls move major distances. And of course, we didn't know that back in the day. We didn't understand it as much, but trail cams have, you know, made that where, oh, hey, this bull got killed over here. Oh, heck, that bull was 30 miles from there, you know, uh, two months ago or a month ago. Yeah. You know, they really travel some big distances. And maybe that's not that way everywhere. You know, and I'm not saying that's way, you know, Utah, Wyoming, Montana, these different elk areas. I'm just saying Arizona, New Mexico, we're seeing, you know, you see a pretty large elk movement when it comes to when they strip that velvet and they take off. So, Jeff, uh, from a from a guiding perspective and outfitters much experience as you have, when you have years that you know the antler growth is great, but you know that they're spotty, there's grass spotty, green grass is spotty. What do you do as an outfitter? What would what recommendation would you give to those hunters out there that are facing those, you know, 13, 17, 15, 16, you know, what, what advice, uh, and even in Arizona, would you give them in those spotty conditions? What do you do to find those elk? Well, obviously in the rut, when you're scouting, you know, a lot of guys go out and they think they have to see elk. Well, you know, when you're scouting, you don't need to be looking necessarily for elk. You're looking, you know, you walk the dirt tanks, you're seeing if there's been cows and calves at the dirt tanks and bulls and, and where they are because scouting cows is half the battle in the rut because that's what's dragging the bulls, you know, into those cows is the rut. You know, it's like late season, you're, you're probably getting, you, you can switch that completely around, but I'm just saying early season when you're out looking, you know, if you're not seeing cows and stuff, well, you probably ought to start looking somewhere else because 
If there's not cows there, there's not going to be bulls there. Bull's not going to be by himself in the rut. September, he's going to be around the cows, all the bulls. The young bulls, the, they're, they're all competing for that, you know, little love triangle. That's what they're after. I mean, they're, they're in there, you know, um, looking for those cows. And if you don't have cows, and, and that's not to say you don't have to have a lot of cows. You can have, you could find five cows in a spot and find a giant bull. Because that bull goes to those five cows or that little spot and ruts every year. And some of those big bulls don't rut a lot of cows. I'm not saying you don't find a, 50, a, a herd of 50 cows with a giant bull. But sometimes that giant bull might pull off three or four and go do his thing. And, and you know, it, it's funny. You know, it's not like, uh, you know, back in the day when the bull-to-cow ratios were a little different, you used to see that herd bull with, a hundred cows. We don't see that as much anymore just because our cow numbers aren't maybe what they were since cow hunting got more and more popular and people started hunting cows back when they didn't hunt them as much. Used to see those giant herds with, you know, some big monster bull and he had, you know, six or seven satellite bulls around him. You don't see that as much anymore. You see five or six or ten with a big bull and you know, maybe a small bull trailing him up and trying to, you know, get his scraps. But you don't see that as much like back in, you know, 10, 15 years ago where you used to have just big, big groups of cows and, and those bulls rutting those cows, you know. So Yeah, for sure. Would you give the advice to guys that are maybe they haven't had a bunch of time to scout and they're pulling into their units, would you give advice to just get in the vehicle and just cover country, get up on some high points and try and locate the areas that are, you know, burn out and brown and look for the areas that are green and then focus your efforts around that because that's where the elk are going to be? Yeah, you've got to find, like I said, you've got to find your cows. So, you know, if you're in the truck and you're, you're out covering ground, I mean, obviously guides, outfitters, we have our places we like to hunt. Um, we're going to hunt there the same, some of the same spots every year. Um, you know, I've done... I'm hunting quite a few new units this year. That's why we spent so much time scouting this year because we were just going and learning country, hunting elks, hunting elk. Um, at the same time, we've got to get in there and find the elk. You know, once we find the elk, we, you know, hunting them is no different than any other place. But obviously in different units, knowing their travel routes, where they, where they, you know, at night where they're going and feeding and the waters that they're using, and their travel routes, meaning when they're coming from there, you know, they're, where they're feeding and rutting, they're going to go up in the middle of the day and bed somewhere, and they're going to have a travel route to and from that place. And knowing those areas always helps. And obviously sometimes there's a learning curve when you're hunting new areas to what these elk are going to do in the morning. And then there's some places you hunt, you've hunted it for years, and you know exactly what they're going to do, and heading them off and flanking them and, and being able to get in front of them or if you have to jump in the truck and, you know, go five miles to get out to where you know they're going to come. I mean, that's part of the battle that, you know, you, you go, you know, into every day. So um, not that that's not going to be unpredictable. You know, people need to understand that, you know, I've said this before on the podcast, I think, but an old man told me 25 years ago, you know, the most unpredictable thing about elk is unpredictability. And <laughs> that is probably no truer saying. Just when you think you have them figured out, they 
they throw a curveball and do something completely out of what you thought they were going to do, and it, that you know that makes the challenge of the rut and pressure. You got you got other hunters in the woods. You've got you know other people. It's like these elk have been doing their thing, and then all of a sudden, all these people show up, and that changes everything because now the flat that they used to go to, there's a camp trailer sitting in the flat. And there's guys out there at night, you know, with a campfire drinking beer and making noise and this and that. And those elk are like, well, I guess we're not going to go there tonight. I mean, it's, and then I've had, I've had bulls and cows rutting. You know, I, I've been laying in my camper at night or, you know, hunting, and I can't sleep at night because there's a bull elk 40 yards from my trailer just screaming his brains out. It, it, it's yeah. funny how it works sometimes. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. Let's hit on Arizona a little bit over there in 1 and 27. Uh, what are the conditions looking like there uh, in those two units? Bulls look awesome. Um, summer scouting was really fun. I mean, lots of really, really nice bulls. Um, lots of stuff shagging, taking off, though, man. Like, you know, a lot of that, we've talked about that, the amount of elks that leave 27 and stuff, and you know, all of a sudden, stuff is vacating that unit, you know. I mean, it's just in certain places. And one, a couple. you got the reservations, uh, you know, the San Carlos and the Fort Apache. I mean, a lot of elk move and go into that country, you know, to rut cows. And I'm not saying that you don't have bulls come off the res. I mean, it happens both ways, you know. If you think that it only goes one way, you're crazy. It goes both ways. Um, and uh, then you got, of course, the state line. So you got you know, one in 27 that are bordered by New Mexico and unit, you know, you got 23 and unit 15 and unit 12 and all those units that border there. And, uh, you know, I'm expecting a pretty solid rut. I thought this first hunt would be, you know, I've heard reports of some, some nice bulls being shot already. Not, you know, just, you know, you got a lot of guys that'll hunt water in this first part. Um, you know, we always tend to try to hunt the second half of the first hunt in New Mexico. And then we, of course, once we get going in the next 10-day hunt, we, we go gangbusters for that hunt because, you know, historically, if guys spend the money on a landowner tag, typically they want to hunt the best dates, and historically it's going to be that second half uh, right. where the bulls start, you know, being more vocal and stuff. I haven't heard very much uh, rut action just stopping and listening when I've been out in the evenings and just kind of one here and there. It's it's just getting going. Um, you know, people can, oh, you know, pockets. You know, one of my guides the other day got into some screaming bulls and the next day didn't hear a peep all day. Yeah. yeah. Morning anything. And I'm like, well, that's normal. It's just how it is. So he, you know, climbed to the top of a mountain and blast and found a good bull and hunted him and you know, saw him with cows, and the next day saw that bull all by himself. Yeah. You know, because it's just not time. They're going to they're gonna get in there and poke around once. But, I mean, it's just like clockwork around between the 9th, basically between today and the 13th. Historically, that's just kind of the window that things start popping. You know, we've talked just like when we were in Utah, you and I, when we had our tags in 16, uh, you know, I was on the boulder and you were on the beaver. We were talking and remember it just, when it started happening for you, it started happening for me just about the yeah, same it was like time. It was simultaneously. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm like, it's dead, it's dead, it's dead, Jay. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, we got And I said, yeah, us too. This morning it lit up. Yeah, and it's just funny how it works. As there, yeah, there's that sure. window, it starts to happen. And the moon, the different things that we all talk about, yeah, that all matters. But, I mean, these elk have been doing this for, you know, hundreds of years. And that it's just historically that there is a time when it's, it starts off, and sometimes you get a little early, you know, and sometimes in October, things will taper off faster. It just, you know, there's lots of factors. I think, you know, nutrition and how the elk come into the season is a very big part of it. Uh, you know, if they're healthy, you know, last year we, you know, I don't know, the elk were, they were poor in a lot of ways, I mean. After the season, and I pulled some trail cams that had been out and seen some different things, the elk were really poor last year. Health-wise, I mean, they're just poor. I mean, it was bad. It was a bad year. I mean, they started getting better, but the antler growth was the most pathetic thing I've seen. Some units, they looked decent in some of those higher units, but, I mean, some of these bulls were 70 and 80 inches off on antler growth. I mean, I found, Unreal. you know, that's, I never thought it was that possible, but I mean, I had a bull that was 380, like I said, this one, you know, and then last year, the bull barely broke 300 inches. And Unreal. we found him, and we have found him again this year, and he is about like he was in 17. So, you know, it's interesting. So he put all that bone back on, he looks great. I thought he'd be maybe better. He's not much better. He's just kind of about the same kind of bull. And, and uh, you know, I'd actually, what's funny is I didn't find him again early, but somebody posted a picture of him on social media, and now I know. I'm like, well, he's alive. <laughs> it's funny how I laugh at social media because you almost don't have to scout. You just start looking at people's stuff, and you're like, oh, that's that bull we hunted in, you know, 2017, and, you know, we don't know where he ruts, but there's a picture of him, and now we know he's still cranking. I want so, to um, ask you, a, to, in closing here, I want to ask you a couple tips that you might have for archery elk hunters going out there. Um, you know, just a couple tips off the top of your head that, that you think are important, and then I want to give you a chance to let the listeners know how they can uh, reach you. Tips for archery elk. Um the tips I would give, you know, mainly is uh, be hesitant of calling in certain situations when the when it presents itself to, to be able to call elk, then be ready to do that, but be apprehensive of it when it comes to, you know, knowing when you're calling at them, knowing when the situation presents itself, that they are going to be callable, meaning call very light until you know that this bull is is hot and he's ready and he he will come but if you if you call it elk that aren't ready and you don't know how to read that sometimes you're 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 beating your head against a wall you're 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 giving them you know uh heads up on hey you're here in the woods and if they're not ready they're not ready so you know, if you if you touch the calls and or you're doing a little calling and you're getting good response, obviously you know, hey, this 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 bull might come. 
you have to play those situations um, all differently. And at times, you know, if you're you lay, let out a couple cow calls and you don't get a response and you, and things are really you might hey it's not time you know do a little more looking get a little closer glass some bulls up get get tight on them let out a couple maybe little muse maybe you'll get a little action coming to you but you gotta you've gotta you gotta know when to call and when not to call and then of course there's a win there could be a window where that it works awesome, you know, and it's just, you know, and sometimes in this early season that it's pretty good because some of those bulls are kind of poking around and you'll have those bulls come in silent on you where they'll, you know, they'll let out one bugle or you'll hear them grunt or pop in and, and then you get in there tight on them and you can let a cow call out and he might answer you once. And then 30 minutes later, you let out another little cow call and he's, that bull's gained three or 400 yards on you. He's coming looking. But he's not going to just come in there blowing his brains out early. He's yeah. going to come in there and he's he's looking for you, but he's being real timid about it. He just wants to come check out the situation, you know. And they're very killable when it's like that. But man, you've got to know, you know, you can really mess things up if you call too much. And then there's a time where you might, you know, you can just sit there and honk on your cow call and they'll they'll come running, you know. But Typically, when there's a lot of people in the woods and a lot of people doing what they're doing, you've got to be, you know, a little apprehensive on it. Like I said, it's not a bad thing to call, but you just need to know when to do it and when not to do it. And then the well, other tip would tip. be, you know, be aggressive. Um, you know, uh, you know, elk don't kill themselves. <laughs> you got to go kill them. You got to. <laughs> You got to draw the bow back, and you got to fire. You, you got to shoot. Um, you know you can't, you know, lay back and think they're going to come and knock on your front door. I mean, it's just not. You got to go and you got to go and hunt them. And you know you can't. You're going to blow elk out. Okay, typically, if you're not blowing elk out, you're probably not hunting hard enough. Now, is there times where you need to step back and kind of be easy because maybe you're hunting a, a real tight canyon or you're hunting an area where you can really lose the elk? Yeah, there's times when you got to do that. But then you got to remember there's other people hunting them. Um, you know, you know, in the middle of the day, a lot of guys are like, well, what do we do in the middle of the day? A lot of times, you, you know, they say, do you hunt all day? Well, you know, in late season, we do hunt all day. But in archery season, sometimes when you push them up into a canyon or something and they go into some thick timber or something, you if you go after those elk and you just keep pushing them, I mean, sometimes you'll blow elk out of country just because simply, and you might not hear them, but they smell you, your, your scent in the area. Sometimes it's better to hold back, pull back, you know, take a chill pill and, you know, camp out under some shade for you know, two or three hours and eat lunch and hang out, like, and then wait for the evening or go back to camp and give her another whirl that night. Because sometimes being in the woods is detrimental during the rut because you're, you know, and I'm not saying in the middle of the day, that's what I mean. You can camp out in the middle of the day and, you know, you might get out popping off at 11 o'clock. You know, they go hard till 8 o'clock and then they shut up and then at 11, 
a bull might get up and go wallow or go to water or do something, and he might start popping off looking around for some cows. I mean, being out there, obviously, you got to be out there to kill them. But, um, you know, most of the time, the stupid mistakes that people make are self-inflicted. <laughs> I mean, they didn't yeah, mean to do it. I agree but they, with that. They do it. And then, it, in the end, you shot yourself in the foot because, you're, 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 you know, you're, you're, you're working against yourself there, you know? And I mean, I chased a big bull numerous times last year up into a place and man, he just shut up and I just had to back off and I back off enough to where he couldn't win me. I'd go back and get on a bluff and blast into it. Maybe try, and we just chill out for three, four hours. And then that, or five hours even, I mean, it makes for a long day sometimes. And then when he started popping off that night, then we could start hunting him again. But if I would have just blown up in there trying to find him in that timber, he would have known I was there. I mean, he'll be going to wind you, you know. And if you get eyes on an animal, that's completely different. You can watch them, and then you can make a game plan on a stock. That's different. But if you don't know where they're at, you know, that animal's lived his entire life by his senses, his ears and his, his nose and his eyes. And, you know, you, they got the upper hand unless you see them. <laughs> if you got eyes on them, now you can play your wind, you can play your sound and, and sight. Now you can make the stop. But if you don't have eyes on them, you are, that animal's got you. Not You don't have him. He's got you. Yeah, that's so great that, advice for sure. That's Absolutely. important, man. That's important. You know, you don't, these things live their entire life, you know, something trying to eat them <laughs> or hunt them yeah. or something. And they, they, you know, you're out there for your 10-day season thinking you're a predator. And <laughs> they, they got your number. You don't have their number. Now, occasionally you're going to get it and you're going to whack one. But, I mean, you've got to be smart about it. You've got to be very smart about it. So, yep, those are great tips. I uh, want to give you a chance to let people know where they can find more about you, follow along, and I look forward to seeing your success of all your hunters in New Mexico and Arizona this year. You can find us at uh, hunthard.com, uh, Outfitter and Guides on that website. And you can find us on social media at, you know, hunt hard on Facebook or hunt hard lower slash gear on Instagram. And then, uh, of course, uh, you know, you can mainly keep up with us, you know, to our day-to-day -day stuff. I try to keep up posting, you know, on my Instagram just stuff that we're doing or whatever, but uh, sometimes pretty tough with the spotty service we get, but we try to keep you updated on what we got going on, so. Awesome, buddy. Well, thanks for sharing your knowledge with us. Uh, have a great season, and we'll probably chat afterwards. And uh, okay. God bless. Okay? All right, Jay. Thank you.